Hey, Beauty Needs Me family. Welcome to another episode. I am one of your hosts, Dooney. And I'm the other, Talia. And today we have the pleasure of speaking with Nana Aijimine. Nana is um, an extremely impressive uh, woman in the fashion industry. She is an alumnus of George Washington University and Columbia University. And she has worked at BBC, New York Times, New York Magazine, Refinery29, L, And she is the founder of Every Stylish Girl. Nana, welcome to the pod. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Thank you. I'm excited. Definitely, definitely. So um, let's hop right on in. So Nana, you were born in Ghana, right? And then you moved to Ohio? No, where did you get that narrative? Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) please correct it. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is so funny. No, I was born in Newark, New Jersey, raised in Newark, New Jersey. Um, Oh my God. (laughs) I'm like, Dooney's from New Jersey. (laughs) I was born in Newark. Yeah, girl. Yes. I was oh, right. um, in Ohio. <laughs> and then, no, no, no. But then my family later on relocated to Ohio when I was a teenager. That's what um, it was. So okay. I went to school. So I went to school in Ohio um, for like high school. And then I left after. But no, was raised, born in Newark, New Jersey. Okay. Um, and then lived in Ghana for a little bit too. It's like an African thing where your parents send you to live with their parents as soon as you're born. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's what, so wait, did you, did you live there? At what age did you live there? Oh, I was super young. I was like, like three to like six oh, Okay. I think mm-hmm. that's what, cause I remember reading one of your articles and I could have sworn mm-hmm. it said something about you being in Ghana when you were young, which is why I thought that you were mm-hmm. born there. Okay. So, so just just really quickly, what's the cultural significance of going to stay with your grandparents um, when you're younger in Ghanaian culture? So, one, learn the language, but also just learn the respect too, right? There's a lot of difference in the upbringing in America versus in Africa. You really have a better, hmm, I guess, a more of an appreciation for what you have in America, the access you have in America, just the way of living and the lifestyle that, you know, when you grow up in Ghana, you really, you know, you really appreciate it a lot more. My mom likes to say the kids in America are so spoiled. You don't listen. You don't listen. American kids. (laughs) Um, And so I think, you know, our mothers and our families who were like immigrants to America, like they're just so used to the custom lifestyle of growing up in Ghana and experiencing what that's like then coming to America. Yeah, that's a very similar with Nigerians as well. Although somehow my brothers and I were able to, to to skip that, although I wish I did live in Nigeria <laughs> for a little bit. But I think also another thing, at least for my parents, when they were considering it was, there's just no help here. Come here as an immigrant. You don't have extended family. They're still hustling, still trying to establish themselves. And so it just makes sense to send your child back home, someone that you trust so that you can also focus, so the parents can focus on, you know, building themselves up here. Yeah, so that was another part to it for sure. My mom was, you know, in nursing school at that time. And my dad was also, um, he was in pharmacy school and they were both trying to really figure out their life. And that's hard to do when you're also trying to take care. I think the 
it's also honestly similar to America. Like your your you know your parents yep. will come live with you, you know, or mm-hmm. tend to you or help when you when you um, just have a child. And yeah. so I think it was like the culture significance and going back to then also giving my family that space to be able to grow and build their own future for us. Yeah, I mean, no, that that makes total sense because like I literally grew up in my grandparents' house. Like it just so happened exactly. that exactly it was all in Chicago, but it's like yeah, it was- <laughs> same concept. <laughs> yeah, same concept. <laughs> and then you know, my grandmother would spoil me and whatnot. So it's just like right. a different relationship when you're with your grandparents. It's nice. Right. Very true. So what were your early impressions of beauty, given that you, I mean, obviously you went back to Ghana when you were really young, but how were your mm-hmm. first ideas of beauty formed? I think like um, a lot of girls that come to America and watch the media and watch TV, a lot of it was, um, it was a European standard of beauty. It was straight hair, smaller lips. Um, you know, like fair skin, all of that, all of that skinny body. There was not body diversity getting promoted. So when I think about beauty, I, you know, similar to a lot of people, I thought about, you know, the lighter your eyes, the more beautiful, the lighter your skin, the more beautiful, the straighter your hair, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my beauty standard until probably I got to my twenties. Um, and that's when it drastically changed. And then, you know, I became a lot more comfortable with my natural hair. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But for me, it was a Eurocentric standard. Yeah. And what about, sorry to lay real quick. What about, I guess, seeing Ghanaian women and then Black American women coming back here? Did you you notice any differences other than the complexion? Um, One, I think I was too young to even really conceptualize that but mm. two you have to remember a lot of people in Africa look towards those type of beauty standards right yeah. because yep. they're watching the same tv we're seeing they're seeing Beyonce like the yep. same the same um the same media that was happening in America was also happening in Africa and yeah. so they were all seeing that as like okay this is you know, this is the beauty standard. This is rich. This is royal. This is greatness, mm-hmm. right? Um, because this is how the Black Americans look there with the straight hair and the weaves and all of that. Um, and even like, you know, we're seeing a shift, a generational shift where we're embracing our natural hair. But let's be honest, Black Americans, Africans, that was not celebrated before, right? It was like the more weave you have, the nicer your hair straight, this and this, like that was more so celebrated. Yeah. Um, before than it is now. Yeah, that's so interesting because I just think about um, how white people never came into my consciousness when I was growing up. I don't know if it's because I grew up around all black people. And when I watched TV back in the 90s, these women looked like me. Like when I look at, Mm -hmm. you know, Aaliyah, Tony Braxton, like these were all, you know, TLC. These were all women who were of similar complexion to me. They were skinny. When mm-hmm. I think about those those videos, like those rump shaker videos, I mean, nobody really had to ask. It wasn't until like the video girl era where we have like Jada Kiss and like those kind of rappers where all of a sudden everyone was thick. And then mm-hmm. me personally, I still was not thick. And then I started to kind of have those self-esteem issues where I felt like mm-hmm. for a period of time, 
people really looked like me. And then all of a sudden I look like none of these bitches. Yeah. Well, <laughs> being, but being dark skin, I can say I, I didn't was see anybody. Say, yeah. yeah. I didn't see anybody who looked like me. Cause I was very similar with Nana and that I, you know, I had told this story on the pod once, like when I was four, I told my mom, I wanted my name to be Sandy. And, um, you know, I, I had grew up around a mix of being with only black kids and also then being completely submerged with white children. And I struggled a little bit with like, well, where do I, where exactly do I fit in in that? Right. And so what I used to see was just always blonde hair and blue eyes. Now I didn't have complexion issues because thankfully my mom caught on really early um, and she just continuously reinforced that I was pretty, my skin is beautiful, but I was also very aware that I was not the standard. And I was very aware that I, w- I just wasn't celebrated. So, cause Talia, you're like, your black is very different than my black, right? Then it's different from, from, from Nana's. And we, I mean, we just have that broad range of, of complexions. Yeah. I don't know if it's because, um, I guess, how did you all feel about that um, as first generation Americans? You know, because I think being African American, that wasn't like, of course, other African Americans look like me, you know? Mm -hmm. So was that something, did you all associate that with like being first generation Americans or did you kind of expect African Americans to look very similar to you? I think for me personally, like, I honestly would just say I grew up here, to be honest. I don't really remember much about, like, growing up in Ghana. But I think what it was here was even within the Black community, there was a huge colorism issue. And so when I say, you know, European standards were, you know, were idolized, that means the lighter your skin, the better. The straighter your hair, the better. I didn't see girls with afros on. I mean, and Talia, you might have seen this, but I, most of the women I saw had straight hair. The Black women had straight yeah, hair and absolutely. they were fair skin, right? When we think about um, Fresh Prince, you know, Aunt Viv had straight hair, right? Um, I think it was uh, Ashley had straight, loose curls. And then Hillary had a, a curly hair, but she was light skin. It was mm-hmm. like when you were dark skin, you had to have some type of Eurocentric feature, which was straightening your hair. And so when I say Eurocentric features, I don't mean completely, I want to be a white girl with blue eyes. No, I just mean closer to the Eurocentric yep. um, spectrum, right? Because it's like, it, it's a spectrum. Um, at the end is like dark skin, 4C hair in the middle could be like, you know, fair skin, looser curls. And at the end, obviously is like white, blue eyes. But I think I rarely saw the end of that, which was dark skin, curly hair until honestly music videos now, (laughs) right? For so long. Yesterday, yesterday. Yeah. Hello. It's like the key girl in every music video was light skin with straight hair or she was light-skinned with loose curls and so I always knew like when I was younger I was always like oh my god can my hair be straighter you know Mm. um I don't want to get too dark in the summer right I wanted to be just like a brown and be okay with that because I would get teased all the time by other black kids Mm. um growing up in Newark about being too dark um or my hair being short and so, or my lips being too big or et cetera, whatever it was. Whatever it was. Um, and Right. So I think for me, it was like other Black people teasing other Black people, to be honest with you. This was even before I moved to Ohio. This was like within Newark, New Jersey, which is obviously super Black. <laughs> I said the Similar same Chicago. thing. 
Yeah. I said the same thing that I was made more aware of my Blackness and my Black features by other Black children than I ever was by white children. Yeah. But I think there's a shift, you know, I think there's a huge shift. I mean, when you look at, um, uh, uh, I just forget the Beyonce King, the music video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Black is King. When you look at Black is King, all my Ghanaian friends are in the background, you know, dancing and shouting and all of that. And it's like, now it's being celebrated. But, yeah. you know, you know, for 20, 20 years ago, no, uh, the case. it wasn't, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, it wasn't, it wasn't the case. So. Would you would you say you were more self-conscious about your hair or your complexion? Gosh, that's a good question. I think equally both. Mm. I really think that I was made fun of for both for so long. Like, mm. I, I, even, you know, let's talk about when I moved to Ohio. Even when I moved to Ohio, uh, my interest in media really started to sprout then. And, and I became so you? fascinated. Uh, uh, early teens, like 13. And I became fascinated with the glossy pages and I wanted to be in that magazine. But all the women, no one was black in those magazines, right? right. So once again, it's reintroducing that rhetoric of like European features are the best features and they're going to be in Teen Vogue and they're going to be in, in J15, I think was the magazine back in the day. And like, that's all we're getting, Cosmo, and that's what we're going to celebrate. Um, and so... And so for me, it was like, it was skin color for a really long time. I would, okay. So I would say what lasted the longest was probably hair. Because mm. even till this day, um, I still feel like even till this day, a lot of Black women struggle to feel comfortable wearing their hair natural. The law just passed for women to wear their hair natural in what was it like the navy right or something like like, what like hello right so I definitely think hair affected me more long term than my skin color Mm. um Hair, hair was always my biggest issue growing up it was it was definitely like the thing. All I wanted were box braids as a child. Yes. <laughs> all I wanted all was I wanted. Moisha braids. All That's I wanted. That's what I used to say. I used to tell the breaker, I was like, I want the brandy braids with the part down the middle and I want them to have <laughs> I never did micros. I was like, my edges are gonna fall out. Really? Okay, so let's mm-hmm. let's talk about hair a little bit more. Talia, wait, do you want to, did you want to get something else? No, there? I mean, like, that's the reason that my mom never let me get the Moesha braids. She was like, your edges are going to fall out. And then, <laughs> Hello. And then when Destiny's Child came out, and I was like, but the light skin one, which is Beyonce, I was like, she got micros. And my mama was like, I don't give a shit what that girl. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I am Beyonce mom. Talia <laughs> <laughs> mom. <laughs> I'm so afraid of micros. I still till this day have not put micros in my head because that is, and I don't know if that's a myth. I don't know. We we have an all type of gossip in our hair culture world, but I'm just scared, girl. I'm just, mm, I just got box braids for the first time in November. November. What? What took you so long? My edges, my hair. I was like, no. oh, these, these little five. I still got baby hair. Like, you see, I still got baby hair. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so now okay, so okay. you've never done micros, but you've done box braids. Have you done like Senegalese twists? Yeah, I've done all of it. Like, I've done okay. cornrows, box braids, Senegalese twists. I think the tension from when you braid so close 
yeah. like you braid so sorry you take such small pieces and then you pull yeah. I'm just worried like and come on we all know when the braid starts getting a little loose you're like, like hold up yeah. I hope you don't take out the edge with it God, that's when I take out the braid I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like project so save funny. my edges but it's so funny a question for you guys is like how long do you keep your braids until I was having a talk with my friend about this her hair texture is um she's like in the three um and I was like when I was younger to be honest with you I, I would keep braids for two months and she was Me saying too. like no you're supposed to keep braids for three weeks or less yes and so, so I really think it's a <laughs> I don't know I don't know what's right but I just want to ask like how long do you guys keep braids for so we had Angela's, and does it depend on yeah so we had Angela Styles on our um podcast she was our first guest and she's a, a celebrity hairstylist she's been on LA hair she does hair for Eve on uh CBS the talk and she was like we should not be keeping our braids in longer than four weeks however I really? just yeah no longer than four weeks However, I just took my braids out last night and I got them bad boys done July 1st. So (laughs) I got them done July 1st and I just. Okay. So you did about two months. I did about two months. I've always done about two months, especially in the summer because nobody has time to be full. I don't have time to be fooling around with my hair. So like, I just want it done and I don't want to think about it. Okay. So. Um, I got my box braids done when I went to South Africa and because I was there for two weeks, I kept them for three weeks, but they were also knotless. Um, and and that doesn't last as long, right? I don't know, but I think, I think Dooney just said something interesting though, because when it gets hot, we don't want to have to mess around with our hair. And it's like, mm-hmm. but it's your hair, like mess around with it. Like you can mess around with it. No, I'm always, I'm always, okay, okay. it's twist about out time though, how much it off. time do you have? That's exactly the point. How much time do you have? We in yeah. pandemic, you ain't got nothing but time, Nana. What you doing? Not to do Not hair. I. <laughs> Not I to do to hair. company, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like I, like, I, for me, it's like, sorry, go ahead, Nana. Oh, no, you're good. Go ahead. I hear you, Talia. We should be loving our hair, but I, Especially because I've been wearing my, I wear my hair predominantly natural and have been since 2005. It is tiring. Like I'm, I'm tired. I don't feel like doing it. So I prefer keeping it locked away now because I'm literally always a twist out away from chopping it all off and, and just rocking a buzz cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I think, okay, like I'm talking shit, but you know, I love a good wig. So while I won't do a box braid, I will yeah. throw it I do love wig. <laughs> I love wigs. Oh my god! I was just—I'm always trying to pull my friends over to the wig life. You know what I'm about to try? I'm trying to do that. What? Yes. If you need wig recommendations, I'll send you. What I'm gonna try for the first time? I've been scared my whole life, y'all. Is a frontal. Oh. And the reason, because one, I don't like all that extra baby hair stuff. I'm just like, I want a natural look. Mm -hmm. Um. But I've seen I've seen this woman do it on YouTube that like you don't really you do like one or two edges down or baby hair I guess and then that's it and it's not like you don't have to put the glue down or all of that so that's what's scares me very simple yeah yeah but do you use Talia what type of wig do you do closures or girl no look let me you see this robe I am basic let me tell you what I do I get <laughs> I spend no no more than 30 dollars for these wigs I get Talia. 
This is what I will do. I will send you a video of me in my wig. The shit is great. She like, does look really cute. These $30 wigs are great. Yes, you have to throw it away. Like you can only wear it a few times, but it's $30. Like I just splurged on my first like nice wig and I got it from, what's the black owned place? I can't even think of it right now. RP, oh, I don't know. I know people like RPG hair. No. I don't know if that's. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm gonna send it to you. And I have not found a wig where you can't tell it's a wig. So I'm like, I'd rather just rock a sew-in and leave some of my hair out. Mm-mm. Instead, Mm-mm. you not know a sewing straight in your hair, so no, it depends because it'll damage your leave out. So it depends. It depends. So I don't get silky straight textures. I always get like a kinky straight, so that okay, gotcha. Blends in better with my natural hair. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, because okay. I yeah. wore sew-in in Ghana in December, and when I tell you, I did not flat iron that little leave out not once. I didn't even own a flat iron till last month. Okay, so. That's good. It was insane. That's good. Also, yes, shout out to visiting Ghana. Uh, That's actually where Talia. That's where Talia and I met. We like just met when we were in Ghana. You you were there for the year of return. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, December. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, we missed each other. (sighs) Yeah, everybody was there. I know. Yeah, loved it. And it's like I would have totally just went up to you, and you would have been like, "Girl, who are you?" And I was like, "But I know you from the internet." (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about your article that you wrote for Ellen 2018. Uh, The last time I wore, the last time I was natural, I was three years old. Here's how it feels to go natural 20 years later. I loved it. I thought it was such an honest article, an account of like the complexities that go into whether or not you want to be natural, especially as a dark-skinned woman, because of some of the things that you mentioned earlier. Because I think that when you're on the other end of the spectrum, it's like, okay, you're dark-skinned and you have natural hair. You know what I mean? Where it's Mm -hmm. like, that is so far from this standard that has always been um, in place. So in the article, you talked a little bit about what inspired you to go natural, but how long did you think about it before you went natural and what really got you over that hump? I think it was my hair being so damaged like everyone else. <laughs> like, I, you know, we always talk about this, like, why don't my hair ever grow? Why do, like, why is my hair the same length as been for about 20 years now? Like, what is, like, what is going on? I obviously need to change something I'm doing. And for me, that was stop using the crack on my hair. Like, you got to <laughs> stop using that chemical. Um, and so... And so for me, it was just having that wake up call being like, what, what, what is my curl pattern? I didn't even Mm. know that. I had never seen my hair natural in its natural state ever. And so, and I had just started at Refinery29 at that time. I was surrounding, I was surrounded by a lot of powerful black women who Mm. all wore their hair natural. And I saw how diverse their hair excuse me, their hairstyles would be, even though they were natural. I think in my mind, I assume I'm natural. I got to wear a fro every day. But I had a coworker mm. who was natural and would get silk presses um, once a month. And her hair was to her back. Back, it was so long, you know? Um, I had a coworker who would do, she would just wear twist outs and she was natural. And so I think it was seeing the variety of ways that you can style your natural hair and me realizing like, I can't be so 
closed off to this idea. And if I don't embrace it now, when will I ever be able to, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so I, I had to get rid of that idea of with, with relaxed hair, I will go further in my career. I will have more opportunities um, in my life and my social life and my dating life. I really had to pull myself away from that narrative and say, like, if you don't accept me for who I am, and I know this sounds really generic, but it's like, if you don't accept me for who I am, then I don't want to even be a part of anything you're building, establishing in your life. Right. And so for me, it was like, I got to switch my crown up. Right. Mm. Um, And once I switched my crown up, nothing changed. (laughs) No one was judging me. And I started to realize that was all within myself and no one cared how my hair looked. And if any guy did care, I didn't want to associate with him anyway. Right. Um, As far as dating life goes, but no one cared. (laughs) The narrative didn't actually change for me in my life. And what actually did happen was more women being able to come, you know, come to me and talk to me about the transition life and how it was working for me and me getting so excited to also see see myself become reborn because I realized my confidence doubled when I cut my hair off um, as well. So, yeah. I love that line. I know. Um, I love my crowd up. I love that. I love that. So um, what was, I guess, in your family, kind of how did beauty and fashion and kind of how you show up in the world, how much of that was taken from your everyday life within your family? So it's so funny. In in Ghana, I'm I'm sure Talia, as you saw, like Ghanaians are the most flyest people. They be dressed to the nines, like they don't play that, right? Hair done, nails done. So growing up, my grandmother, um, she actually had really long hair. Um, I don't know, I can't remember if she had a relaxer or she would just get her hair straight. And I think she was doing relaxers though in Ghana. So she always had long hair, she always had her nails kept. That was one thing about her is like her nails were always done. And that's how all of my mom's sisters were like too. And so everyone was always on their tippy toes. Like they were also like, they were always very, very stylish. Um, I rarely saw anyone in my family embrace their natural hair um, mm-hmm. when they were older. But when I look back at photos of them when they were younger, obviously like my mom had curls, everyone had froze. Um, But I think... In the 90s, they all had transitioned over um, and they started, you know, straightening their hair, using hot combs, um, getting relaxers, um, just like, I mean, but to be honest with you, like, that's just the nature and the revolution of hair, right? I think, like, hair in general, like, there was a jerry curl moment there was yeah. you know straight hair like Malcolm X talks about that like he used to straighten his he used to get relaxers you know so I don't even mm-hmm. think I think it's like the sorry not the revolution the evolution of hair but I think it's uh I think no I think it really is like the hair evolution and how that transitions over time but one thing I will say was like we were always like to the nines yeah um, with beauty and with fashion mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so when did you I know you talked about earlier, you mentioned when you were in Ohio and you started looking through the magazines and you mentioned how you wanted to be in them. At what point did you realize that you wanted to become a fashion editor? I think when I realized that the market was not diverse at all, um, I would look at all the different fashion editors and um, photographers and models and I was like, dang, no one, no one looks like me. No one has my voice. And 
for so long, I realized I wanted to be a voice for the voiceless. I wanted to, I want to drastically change the industry. Mm. And so how I first started doing that was joining my yearbook club in high school, right? Because yearbook club, you pick the pages you want in the book. You pick the people you want. You pick the voices, the interviews. And so when I joined the yearbook club, I was like, okay, this is my magazine. This is giving me the shot that I need to start diversifying the pages I want to diversify. And then I took that same energy to college at GW. I was editor-in-chief of the only Black magazine on campus. Shout out to the ace. (laughs) And, you know, I kept amplifying those Black voices on campus with a majority white campus, right? Um, and so I just kept that same, that same messaging up for a while. I started photographing women, um, interviewing them myself. Um, that's where ESG kind of comes in. And then I realized, whoa, so many women don't see themselves in magazines and we don't all read Essence can't be the only magazine that all black women go to. Essence and Ebony. Right. But for millennial black women, like we're so different than that traditional mindset. You know what I mean? Like we're doing things differently now. We're entrepreneurial. That wasn't a message that I feel like was really promoted back in the days for us. And so creating ASG was letting women know, like, these are all the Black women bosses who are dominating in all spheres of the industry. Um, and this is who you can look up to. And you don't have to feel forced to read, you know, et cetera, et cetera, publication that's not going to amplify your voice. We've already created a safe space for you where we do amplify your voice and we share your story as a way to uplift you. Yeah. You also um, have a master's in multimedia journalism. Did you feel like that was essential to get to for you to get to where you are today? Because a lot of um, this generation, like they're deciding to take an entrepreneurial route and not go to college, let alone get a master's. Yeah, I think it's so different now. I really don't think I think if you already have something good going for you, go for it. Because, I mean, you're seeing all these TikTok stars, you know, they're getting, they're becoming like millionaires by the age of like 17. And you're like, what? That's insane. And so I think if you have something really powerful going for you, like go for it. There's a lot of um, entrepreneurs, founders that drop out of school, right? Mm. Um, When their companies kick off. And so don't, like, I'm not saying don't go to school. Like I really advocate for education, However, I don't think that one, I don't think the title of your school matters. I think in the, in, you know, with my personal community and group, I think it was so important, like go to the most prestigious school, honestly, like immigrant parents, you know, where like you must go to the most prestigious school, et cetera. But I think it's really about your skill set. That's why I say like, if you're, if you're hardworking, and you're talented, you're going to succeed no matter if you decide to get your master's or you don't get your master's or you drop out of school or whatever it is. I think it's really all about like how hardworking and devoted are you to your craft? Yeah. Um, there's people that went to Columbia Journalism School and still can't find a job. That You know, that's why I say that. <laughs> it's really about you. Yeah. So for, for listeners who may not know, can you explain Every Stylish Girl? Because I think it is brilliant. I love it. I love the IG page. So can you just explain, you know, I think you, you went through the inspiration, but what exactly is it? Mm -hmm. So Every Stylish Girl is a media startup 
dedicated to the amplification of Black and Brown women in fashion and in journalism. So we focus on career events. We highlight women in their careers and industries. We help women through networking events. Shout out to our Sip and Slay events that we have, which are virtual now. We'll be having one coming up in October. And then lastly, we have a career advancement program. So we just launched a sister company to Every Stylish Girl called Every Stylish Girl Biz, um, aka Every Stylish Girl Business. And that's for women who want to change the world of business. So if you are entrepreneurial or you want to work your way up the corporate ladder, this is definitely a page you should be following for tips and advice to do so. I've been taking the Every Stylish Girl Biz Weekly Challenge. I have you now. <gasps> yes! Oh my gosh! Yes! yes. Uh, because I am in the market for a new job. So I've been- Hello! I was like, yes. this, is, this is phenomenal. Um, what, I guess, what challenges have you faced with starting your own or launching your own media startup? Yeah. Yeah, so I would probably say- uh, the biggest challenge is rushing. Um, I think for me, when I first started, I thought I needed, I needed this huge team and like I rushed to build a team so quickly and I didn't really take my time to figure out what were my short-term and long-term goals before I rushed to build that team. And so when you rush to build a team, you have to understand what a team comes with is so many different ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's no longer your only vision, you have to incorporate 10 other visions into that plan. And then it gets skewed and it's confused and it doesn't even feel like your project anymore, your passion, your passion, you're not as passionate about it anymore. It's changed so much. And so I think in the beginning, um, I didn't know that. And I rushed to build a team so quickly without understanding my full vision for my company. So um, one thing I always harp on, I tell everyone this and every type of business meeting talk I have is create a 10-year plan for yourself. I know that could sound very extraneous and pretty intimidating right away, but once you break it down, it's really simple. So I'm going to quickly break it down for those who are listening because I really think it is what got me to where I am in my career now. And so the 10-year plan looks like you start at one week. Don't, don't lose me yet. <laughs> you start at one week and you just talk about what are your goals for this week you want to accomplish, right? For example, it could be like, I've been wanting to redecorate my office. I haven't done that. I've been wanting to email 10 women in the industry that I want to work with. I haven't done that. Just start with a weekly goal. Then you go to two weeks. Then you go to a month. Then you go to two months, three months, five months, a year, mm. two years, five years, and 10 years. That's it. This plan will roughly take you about two hours to sit down and do max. Mm -hmm. um, when you start getting to like five, 10 years, I'm over here like, I want 10 mansions. I want <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's honestly, the, it's honestly the, like funnest thing I've ever done when you get to the five, 10 years, because you don't really know what you want in five to 10 years for some people. Um, but it's so fun to like want to manifest this greatness for yourself. And so Oh, and then also you're updating this every month, by the way. Um, so you're not just creating this plan and throwing it away. You're updating it every month because your life changes, right? But I think it's so important for you to have a pathway um, to be able to have that clarity. I absolutely 
Love that. I love it. And I'm such a fan of putting pen to paper and actually mm-hmm. like writing. Like I do that. I don't, I've never done it up to 10 years. I'm absolutely going to do that. Thank you. But I oh, have done like, love it. I have done like in a year, I want to X, Y, Z or in six months. And a few years ago, I read a note because I, I like had like put my life in my iPhone notes. And I came across a note, okay. I think in 2016, and it was, an, I had wrote the note, I wrote the note in 2015, and it was like, I want to be promoted by this time, make a salary of this, drive this type of car. And I literally, and I had like five things written down. I had hit three out of the five things, but I didn't even remember writing those things down. So mm. it's such a, I think it's such a powerful thing. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I yeah, think. I mean, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Um, I think that sometimes as creatives, um, because I mean, I've never worked. I mean, I, I have had like a, a day job, like a desk job, but they are scarce. I'm mostly a freelancer. And so I think that, mm-hmm. that sometimes um, it becomes difficult for me to actually like make goals because I'm like, everything is constantly changing based on which contracts I get, you know? But I think that sitting down and maybe actually, you know, just thinking about which, what things I would like to do can help just kind of put it out there. Exactly. Exactly. And then you just refer to it and you're like, oh, I did mention I wanted to do that in two months. Okay. Let me start setting myself up for that this week to make sure I hit that goal in two to three months. Um, And like I said, for me personally, I need that pathway because if I don't have that clear pathway, I'm going to get distracted and I'm going to go off in so many different areas that's going to just distract me from the end goal in my life, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I think because I've had that vision that's made me, you know, create every stylish girl biz, it's making me, you know, do partnerships with Instagram, do partnerships with Amazon, and and it has really put our platform on this huge pedestal uh, because I've been so focused. I've been so, so focused and clear on my vision um, and what I've wanted since day one. I love that. I have have two questions. The first... um, how did your parents react when you told them you wanted to go into this industry? So it's so funny. I was actually talking to my brother about this. When he started college, he was like, I want to be pre-med. Then he was like, no, I want to be law. Then he was like, no, I want to be a historian. And so actually my parents were more afraid of that. <laughs> they were like actually more concerned of with that than versus like, I told my mom I wanted to be a journalist at 12. And she was very, very supportive that's it. Like, cause I never changed. I wasn't flip-flopping. And so I think my mom was like, Oh, she's, she's really focused. Like she wants to do this. She's determined and she's doing it. And then I think when they really started, you know, believing in that was like when I started getting those internships. Right. So I had interned at BBC news and to every African parent, Hey, BBC, wow, you've made it now. That's such a huge like global news um, corporation. So it was like getting to BBC, working at CBSN, like those news corporations and organizations um, I think to them solidified the idea of, yeah, she's going to be this great journalist. Like she's, yeah. she's making it for herself and she's doing it. Yeah. Um, so they didn't like me being like, they didn't actually, they actually just wanted some type of like concrete idea of what I wanted to do. And for me to see it through versus being like wishy-washy that they could not do. So let's, <laughs> let's talk through because you're a fashion editor. 
Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. Oh. You said you had a, a part two question. Yes, because you also were a social media editor or are, right? You have to correct me. Was, yeah. Was. So I actually okay. just resigned from my job at The Cut. Okay, okay. Um, Wait yeah, a minute. We'll come, we'll come back. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll come back. We yeah, don't come back. You, we don't I come back. We don't come back. Okay. Oh, exclusive, exclusive. Talia, we need an exclusive sound <laughs> drop for this pod. Um, but how did that fit in? Like, how did that piece come about? And again, like, every stylish girl, Instagram is phenomenal. I'm not assuming that you curate that page. Maybe you do, but like, how did all of that come in, that piece? So it's actually so funny. Um, I got the job as a cut because they liked every stylish girl. And they were like, can you love build it. this community here? They wow. loved it. They loved the aesthetic. They loved the voiciness of it. They loved the storytelling on it, the multimedia storytelling. They loved how just beautiful it was. Literally, when you look at it, you feel so captivated by the words and the women. Mm-hmm. And so, <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. And so when they saw that, they straight up were like, can you bring this here? <laughs> you know, but with using our messaging and our mission. And I was wow. like, sure, let's do it. I've n- and I told them, I was like, I've never had a professional career in social media. I'm letting you know this now. I am a journalist. And then I am like an entrepreneur. And they're like, you actually have because you built a whole company off of social media. And I was wow. like, oh, true. Um, and so like, you know, it was instances like that that made me realize and understand that, wait, I've been doing this. I've been I've been a social editor, director, everything of this mm-hmm. company, CEO of it, um, everything. And that opened so many avenues for me within my career that I didn't even realize. And so, and this is why I tell people, don't quit on your daydream because you don't know where it'll take you to your career because I created every stylish girl I got the job at the cut because I got the job at the cut I've been able to interview Tracy Ellis Ross Gabrielle Union Idris Alba Celine Dion like the list goes on and on and on just because of my own side hustle right which Mm -hmm. is now my full time that is so powerful Yeah. So what tips can you give our listeners if they want to get into kind of like digital creation, like and how to maybe curate a page that has a voice like every stylish girl? Okay. So one, I'm not going to be able to fit everything now, but I'll give you guys a sneak peek. But what I will say is I have three panels coming up. So please follow me on Instagram. It's really Nana. One of the panels it's free. Like, please guys don't make excuses. This is a free panel and I'm giving you all the tips to strategically grow your social media platform. And so please don't sleep on that. Attend that. Um, That's going to be September 23rd, I believe. I don't know if this will be out by then. It will be. I'm not sure. It will. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be talking it up. We'll we'll be listening. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I have another panel with the company um, CCNYC. I'm sure you, the Creative Collective NYC, really dope by my girl Imani. Um, And so, and then I have one more. Oh my God, I'm blanking out. I have so many panels, but anywho. um, So please like attend these panels. Um, And then also we have Sip and Slay coming up in October. And so if you want more of an in-depth understanding on social media and how I grew those platforms follow. Um, But just tips off of my head that I could think about is like one, consistency. 
I know everyone says this, but no, really, like you have to be consistent. I took the cut from growing at 600 followers a week, like a a thousand to 600 followers a week to 10,000 followers a week. That is insane because I was so consistent. Uh, When I got there, I think they were maybe posting like three posts a week. And then I started posting five to six a day. Wow. And so, and so it was like that drive, like that is what I'm talking about. Like people think that, you know, success is overnight. It is not like that motivation, that drive, that that drive and determination is what got me to double the following of the cut to a million followers in a year, in a year. So I think keeping that in mind and then also engagement Like when you want to grow your platform, it's not enough to just like someone's comment. When you like their comment, you also comment back with a question. So then you've already started this. You've already started increasing your engagement by adding more comments to your comment section. And then Instagram prioritizes posts that have more comments in them. Um, And so you know how people are always like, oh my God, Instagram is hiding all my posts. Right. Um, that's actually not true. It's because your content isn't being prioritized because you're not engaging enough on your own platform. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. The Those are great tips. Thing, <laughs> thanks. And then the last thing I'm going to say is like, find your niche. Like that is the most significant thing to it because you don't know who your target audience is unless you figure out what your niche is, right? You got to figure out what does your target audience want? What do you need to be marketing about? Is it, you know, you starting a business? Is it your fashion? Is it your beauty company? Is it your podcast and the women you feature on your podcast? Like really figure out your niche. And it's so funny to bring this up now because starting ESG Biz has really brought me back to like when I started ESG three years, three to four years ago and thinking about how we had to really cultivate that voice and that niche. And that takes time. You know, I don't want you to think that you have to figure out your overall brand in three days. This could take you months. This could take you years. But I think you have to figure out what are the three themes that you want to focus on and be consistent with those three pillars. You are speaking to Talia and I because we keep like, we're actively trying to figure out our social media for beauty needs me. (laughs) (sighs) I get it. I get it. And also like, to be honest with you, like, and it's all about obviously I don't know people's finances, but I think invest in yourself. If you need some type of social media consultant or coach to just bring on for one week and tell you what you need to be posting, what you need to be doing, then get that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, get that help and get that support. So you can, you know, have that strong brand that you want for yourself and you're not wasting, you know, time and energy. Dooney, are you ready to talk fashion? I got a fashion question. Yes, 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 please. So Nana, I need you to tell me um, some of your favorite Black designers. Oh, okay. Well, um, first, I'm going to say Hanifa. That's my girl. I just bought a dress from um, there. I, love- I, I wore her dress for New Year's Eve in Ghana. <laughs> oh, did you get a lot of compliments? Oh, it was everything. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. It probably fit like a glove, didn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we love to see it. Um, and then I loved Hellfar, the famous Hellfar. Um, have you guys gotten one of his bags yet or no? No. no. I haven't. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, Hellfar. <laughs> um, and then I'm trying to 
think? Who else have I really been loving right now? I haven't worn anything of his, but Laquan Smith. Mm. I really like him. You know what? Because Laquan is like when you're trying to go out and be spicy for the night, you know, show a little skin here and there. Yes. Um, <laughs> and so I like I like his looks for that. Like, I think he's really, really fun um, when it comes to like evening wear. Um, yeah, those are probably my top three favorite. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm forgetting one. You guys are putting me on the spot. You're probably... <laughs> You're probably um, forgetting many, but it's like, we have limited time. Three is perfect. <laughs> so, no, I know. I know. I'm forgetting like everyone, but yeah, those I would say are my top three. How would you describe your style? Oh, wait, I'm so sorry. I want to say one more. Kai Collective. She's a Nigerian designer. I absolutely yes. love her by the founder of who is, is like baddest business author. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, girl. Kai Collective. K-A-I. You're going yeah. to love. It's I like silk she just, pieces. She so just dropped a new, I think, collection. Yeah, last week or so. Oh my God. I love, love, love her pieces. Yeah. How would you describe your, your personal style? <laughs> so funny. I love this question. It's changed. Um, I will say, though, um, sophisticated. Mm -hmm. elegant uh you know I have the hashtag Nana does color but I'm refining that and I'm making it more like muted colors and so yeah I would say those are my top focuses okay so September is fashion month it is approaching um what things have drastically changed with you I guess in that realm due to COVID like has it affected I mean, you know, you obviously can't go to the events, you, but like what things have changed kind of within the fashion industry as they pertain to you with COVID? Yeah, so I don't know if you guys saw, but um, the CFDA just launched Runway 360, which is going to be like live streams of different fashion shows. And they just announced that like Harlem Fashion Row will be a part of it. And it's going to be like 60 designers. And it's going to be invite only, which I'm like, that's so funny to me because I'm like, why not just everyone stream it? Um, but of course, I guess they want like editors to write about it before it drops. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. My appreciation of the fashion industry has drastically changed, of course, in light of obviously Black Lives Matter movement, but also just in general, I'm realizing like fashion is not the epitome of everything. And that's what I used mm-hmm. to think. I used to be like, fly is clothes. I want to be front row every fashion show. I wouldn't get invited to every fashion show if I don't. I'm not cool enough, blah, blah, blah. For me, it's like, I want to focus on business. I want to focus on entrepreneurship. And I want to focus on Black lives, right? And Black and brown voices. And so that's more so what I'm putting on the pedestal. And if you're not a Black designer, I'm not as interested in your collection and to read it or view it. Um, as before, where I was like, oh, why don't I get invited to, I don't know, I'm just going to throw it out there, toy merch, I'm going to go here. And it's like, I don't really care, honestly. Yeah. I'm yeah. all about my business at this point and uplifting women like you all, right, to be your better self, to get better career opportunities. And mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm focused and devoted on. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I was actually going to ask, like, you know, because when you first, one of the 
responses you gave to us earlier was you wanted to change the fashion industry. And I was going to ask with everything that happened over the past several months, you know, with the fashion industry, with the beauty industry and all of the calling out, which was rightfully done, you know, how you, how that impacted the work that, that you've been doing, but it sounds like that that shifted a lot. Right. So we launched in response to that and the racial injustice that we've been all seeing lately in the news. Um, we launched something called the Career Advancement Program on ESG Biz, which is basically a directory of 200 plus vetted black and brown women who are talented, devoted, great, phenomenal. I've worked with that companies should be recruiting from and hiring. And so I don't think it's enough to say we can't find black talent because that is all of their excuse. Like every single one of these media beauty fashion companies is all what they say. And I'm like, hey, there is no excuse now. There's the directory right here at your service and your access. Subscribe to it and you'll be able to have access to this talent, right? So we we created that as a way to provide a service to those who were quote unquote struggling to find black talent, black and brown talent. So I know that it's currently closed. When are you opening it up again? <laughs> it is. Oh my gosh, we've hit the wall. Like it's completely filled right now. Um we're planning on hopefully reopening it later this fall as more companies sign up to the directory. We'll be incorporating more and more people to be on it. So hopefully, yeah, stay tuned for this fall. We'll be reopening it. But if you guys want to get on, just let me know. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Love that. Now, we're about to be low-key best friends. I need you to send me these wigs. Like, <laughs> all the things. And Talia, you said you are looking for a job, right? Yes, girl. I am. I am yeah, employable. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, yeah, I'll be in touch with you about the directory. <laughs> Are we ready to get into beauty regimens, or did you want Let's to ask more fashion questions? Okay. All right. So, Nana. So, first of all, I think, and hopefully, my Nigerians won't be mad at me. I think Ghanaian women have the best skin. In oh, the they world. do. They do. I've always said it. Whether they are born here, so whether they are born in Ghana, nobody is touching the skin of Ghanaian women. It just is it's beautiful. It is beautiful. So let's start with what your skincare routine is. So it's so funny. Growing up, I never struggled with acne or hyperpigmentation, none of that. And then um, about like in college I would say it started happening mostly when I moved to New York when I started Mm. going to Columbia my skin just broke out so badly it could be changing environment but since then I've never been able to you know clear it up I never been able to change anything Mm -hmm. so it wasn't until a year ago um, that I decided to see a dermatologist. No, not even a year. A few months ago, I saw a dermatologist and she told me to simplify my skincare routine. She's like, you don't need that 11 step skincare routine. That's too harsh on your skin. You need non-comonogenic products. Like you're doing all of this stuff using Mac. And I'm like, no, not Mac. <laughs> to simplify y'all my whole routine. I was over here using products free for my job for like a hundred plus dollars that were so unnecessary and now I'm just using Cetaphil and survey that's it and I've seen my skin drastically change and then I'm using a Neutrogena um uh, it's like clear and something but you're supposed to use it in the morning and that helps with any type of like active acne that you have and I feel so confident to walk outside with like no makeup and on and 
I don't have hyperpigmentation as much anymore. And mm-hmm. then of course I use a retinol. So my skincare routine is literally like two to three products max. And that's wow. been the best thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. What's your skin type? Makeup is a whole nother story. Oh, um, we're going to get there. So, <laughs> I would say it's probably mixed it's like oily it's combination it's oily and I have a little bit of dryness right now my skin has been oily I don't know if it's the humidity I'm not sure I was also in San Francisco for like five months and so I was I was where the climate was always breezy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then coming to New York it being extremely humid yes okay okay I I quarantined there for like five months Oh, okay. Yeah, and I left. I left in like July. Yeah, so I was there for a while. I was there from March to July. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it was so beautiful. I miss it every day. But um, so quarantine there, and I think like it just the temperature being so cool and breezy there, and then New York it being extremely humid and nasty. I <laughs> think really made my skin oily. Versus I have like combinations, so I don't know. It keeps changing. Do you use the same products day and night? No, because that Neutrogena one, which was actually um, recommended for my dermatologist, that one you can only use in the morning. And then at night is when you're supposed to use a retinol because it's supposed to not be exposed to sun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I use retinol at night. But the Cetaphil, the gentle cleanser, the Cetaphil one, you can use like morning or night or whenever throughout the day or anything. Uh, but both of your skin, I want to hear your skin routine. I you can like you can message it to me after, but you both have such glowy skin. I'm like, Dooney, do you see the Nana keeps trying to interview us while we try to interview her? <laughs> First of all, I love it. I'm here for it. So <laughs> <laughs> like both of you have gorgeous skin. I'm staring like, oh my Thank god, you. your skin is so beautiful. <laughs> I just started using a retinol. I use the the Shawnee Darden. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice, nice, yes. No, no, I was going to ask you retinol you use. So mine is actually prescribed to me. Um, but I think honestly, it all does the same thing. Like I feel like any retinol product will all yeah. do the same thing for you, um, which is like dry out your skin pretty much and help all the toxins and everything come out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, because my acne, like it started getting really bad and I don't think anyone even noticed. But it started, mm. it started getting really bad on my cheeks. And so I had to use when you're not used to getting, that was prescribed. Yeah, when you're not um, used to getting acne and it pops up, whether people notice or not, it's like, get this off my face. Trust me, Ooh. I'm with you. Yeah. Adult acne? I wish you Adult acne is different. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk makeup. <laughs> now, I need you to be as detailed as possible because oh, I, I literally just started wearing makeup love, like two months ago. Makeup. So I need you to be as detailed. oh my gosh okay so first of all my butt was using like um I was using like uh, MAC foundation I was using NARS and I was using Marc Jacobs those were my three foundations I was using before girl I tossed all them in the trash I'm using is it I'm using a a Maybelline foundation now which I saw one girl post no, not that. Dang, oh, it's a couple okay. No, it's Maybelline. Yeah, which I saw one girl, one girl post on her Instagram, and I was like, she did um, a makeup video, and I was like, oh my god, what foundation is that? It's Maybelline. I'll have to send you guys the photo after. Thirteen dollars. What? Love it. Love it. And then I use a NARS concealer, the one that's like in the um, 
it's it's not the liquid one. It's kind of like the one okay. in the jar, kind of. Um, that's my absolute favorite. Mm-hmm. I use the color Amandi. And then I use to contour. This is so funny. I use a blush to contour. Dark skin, my brown skin, listen. Okay, this is the only thing that will <laughs> contour our skin, all right? Um, I use a mask. It's called, um, oh, my God, not, is it Fever? Yes, I use a MAC. Um, I use oh, a MAC. Okay. No, Film Noir. I'm sorry. Film Noir for MAC. It's actually a blush. But this makeup artist used it on me. He was like, you should actually use this as a contour. And I've been using it ever since. And I love it so much. Um, and then you have to do a brown lip liner. I don't care what skin color you are. Like your lips. That If you want that ombre effect, at least. I know that's been really popular lately. Like Ryan Destiny mm-hmm. will do it a lot with her lip glosses. So if you want like that really nice like ombre effect, I highly recommend any brown lip liner. It could be like NYX or it could be MAC or whatever, yeah. but it just has to be like a true dark brown. Um, and then I just, I only use pink or nudie lip glosses and I'll use like three different ones and I'll put a clear gloss over. All the lip glosses I use are NYX. They have good ones. Those are my they favorite. Really or yeah. NYX whichever you want to call it so you're not into lipstick no really you don't do a red (laughs) lip have you ever done a red lip no yeah I don't like it I don't like colorful things on my face okay that much I love just a nude I like the no makeup makeup look to be honest with you like if you go to my Instagram I've never been now, have you posted a makeup video showing us how to do this no makeup makeup? That's actually a good question. I think I did a really long time ago. I think if you go to my beauty highlight, I might have. This was so long ago. But I was just thinking the other day, I was just thinking the other day, like how I need to do one of those. Another really good makeup artist, too, is Vanessa Jima. She does all her, she's Ghanaian. She does all her makeup videos mm-hmm. on video so you can follow along. So I highly, highly recommend. And now talk us through hair. And I want to know, I want to know how you take care of your natural hair. And I want to know more about your wigs and like what wig styles you prefer. And yes, talk us through. Oh, so funny. I'm trying to pick up like a birthday wig now. When's your birthday? Like, oh, God, I don't know what I want. Um, but September 24th. Yeah, so I'm trying to, like, pick a wig by this weekend, you know, have some time and get it installed. Again, I love whole thing. You guys don't even get your wigs. Wait, you guys don't even get your wigs installed. You guys said you just clear, right? You said you just put yours on? I I plopped that shit on my head. Yeah, I know. I'm screaming. Okay, so, wait, but Talia, let me change your mind. Let me change your mind right now, sis. So, I got, I get my wigs custom made by a Ghanaian hair, um, a hair beautician and she is in she's in Columbus Ohio but what she'll do is all she does is she wants to know your hair measurements and then she'll create your wig from that and you just tell her the hair texture you want she has it all on her Instagram that but wig that she made no no listen listen okay let me let me set you straight <laughs> that wig she made for me she mailed me this wig guys three years ago yeah, I still wear that is an investment do you know what wig it is you know what wig it is Which one? it's the bob wig I, always I was wear. just the looking at you I was I swear to god I was looking at your beauty highlight and I was like <laughs> that wig is so cute are you serious 
the bob the straight bob one i wore it like when i was in san francisco i was traveling i wore the whole i wore it like i mean that's my go-to wig on my page oh. everyone thinks it's my oh, hair okay as soon as we stop recording i need her name i am absolutely because <laughs> i will order a wig talia no talia likes to say that i do beauty indulgences i will order a damn wig with no problem <laughs> because you guys listen like i think it's truly an investment i think everything like obviously prices will skew a little higher might be in like the 200 range 300 depending on the hair i got a short bob so it was like around 200 if you want long hair to your back that's gonna be more expensive yeah. um but it's lasted me three years wow. and what, like yeah. you just and if you get a frontal that's the best because you just put i'm sorry if you get a um not front closure what oh what's the other one thank you closure. closure you just take it off put it on just do flat cornrows under and that's it but do you feel that's like it. you see the net do you feel like that because that's what I get self-conscious about especially if there's a part yeah I mean feel... you can't can't really hide <laughs> that's the thing like if you haven't I mean, uh, you can't, you really can't hide the net. I mean, what you can do, what a lot of people do is like, they'll try to camouflage it by adding um, like the concealer. You've seen that, mm-hmm. right? So they'll try to blend it out with the concealer, but like you can't, okay. They have something now that's called the, um, oh my God, I can't keep up with y'all. Like the wig <laughs> industry is insane. There's something like the, it's like, okay, it's really insane. I can't remember the name of it. It's like a next level lace or whatever like that. The invisible, like lace? invisible lace? Yeah. It's something like the invisible. There's a certain name, so I can't remember, but you will not see. If you look at Vanessa Jima, she wears them, and, like, you will not see that lace. And that's more expensive. Hmm. Um, but you can invest in one of those two as well. But, I mean, I'm just like, it's a We're going to get y'all. the details. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to get the details. <laughs> but now I'm getting a frontal. And so when you have a frontal, um, you can lay down. Remember, like I said, you can lay down the baby hair and stuff like that. So you don't really see the, uh, you don't really see too much of the lace frontal part. Okay. Um, there. Okay. We're going to get these details. Okay. Yeah, I, I, but yeah, I highly recommend. I highly, guys, that closure was just, and every time I'd wear it, I get compliments in person. I The first time I got it, I got stopped at this event by these other Black beauty editors, and they were like, sis, not to be intrusive or anything, but like, is that your hair or a wig? Wow. It, looks, it is so nice. They're like, this is the best wig I've ever seen ever in person. It looks yeah. amazing online, so I could only imagine what it looks like in person. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm here mm-hmm. for it. So I highly recommend. I highly I'm sold. Recommend. You got me. <laughs> and you, you both already look so beautiful. Aww. And then other than that, um, I just do I do a silk press. But I'm not, I mean, I'm mostly wearing a wig. So I will only do a silk press on like a special occasion. Okay. And to be honest with you, I don't really wear my curls out. Mm. Um, the reason I don't personally do that is I just don't have the time to be honest with you. Um, I just really don't. And all my friends that, you know, do have natural hair, you got to braid it every night. You gotta, that's like, why you I'm saying, I don't got time. And natural hair is not loyal. You got to keep it moisturized. I tell everybody, it's not loyal. You go you to bed up the next day. and you don't know what the hell is going to happen when you take that twist out of it. <laughs> and so for me, it's like, I'm always on Zoom meetings. I'm always got to run to a meeting. I always got to do this. And I want to get to the point in my life where like, you know, I have more time for myself and I can, like Talia was saying, like take time and 
you know, experiment with my hair. It is my hair. I should feel comfortable to experiment and embrace it. Um, but right now, as the, the season I'm in in my life, I just do not have time to do that. And that's fine, right? We all go through different seasons. I just think that you, both of y'all, the standards that y'all have for each other are, or for yourselves are just higher than the standards that I have for myself. I did not twist this hair last night. <laughs> are y'all crazy? Are y'all crazy? I went to bed. I, I, just, I just can't bring myself for this. I put oil in it and I put some bobby pins in it. Like I just... I'm just too lazy. So maybe I'm not doing natural right because I don't do anything no, every night. See, that's the thing. I don't think there is a right. And I, and I'm, I'm lazy too, which is why I'm like wigs. I feel like if it's not a something I could just plop on and know it's going to look right, I'm not doing it. Cause I can tell you right now, I'm not gluing anything down on my head every morning. I am not playing healer every morning. So it has to be something that I can just plop on. And with natural hair, more often than not, I'm literally letting the steam hit it and I'm pinning it up in a puff. And that's, that's how I'm going about, but I don't always want that. I want a different look. I like, I do love a good twist out. I love flexi rods. That's like, I love all mm-hmm. of that. I'm just not interested in putting in the time anymore, or at least right now in making that happen. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's like you create time for what you want, right? Exactly. Like if you want to do that, you'll create time for that in that moment. So, I've never done a flexi rod in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so. so Nana, so what's next for you? So you resigned at the cut and you said that you're doing ESG full time. Is that what am I am I mm-hmm. am I recapping that? So is that yes, I want to hear right? I want to hear it yeah. in your words. <laughs> So a few weeks ago, I decided to resign from the cut. They were heartbroken. Um, and they actually offered me a contributing a contributing social editor role. So they were like, we don't want you to go. Can you still kind of, you know, work with us and contribute? And I was like, of course. But, you know, the whole reason for that pivot was, you know, continuing and putting my full energy into amplifying the voices of black and brown women in media and in fashion and in beauty. And there was no more excuse to say, I can't do this because I have to do the cut. I have to post this. I have to do this interview for the cut. It was like, okay, I'm fully going to invest in myself. And there's companies that want to back me up on this. Mm -hmm. So why not pull the plug and, you know, run my own establishment and help others take others up with me. And I didn't think that at the cut, I was really doing that because I'm working for someone else. Mm -hmm. So when your overall mission is to amplify black and brown women, like you have to fully devote that, devote yourself to that mission to see real change. And right now we need real change. We need the tables being shaken up. So I love that. I absolutely. I know we have like congratulations on that because that is a huge step, and it's amazing. Yes, I know we have like ten more minutes. I know we've held you much longer than we originally told you. (laughs) We're gonna take ten more minutes. Uh, Dooney, did you want to do the beauty moment of the week? Yes. All right. So Nana, we do something on the pod called the beauty moment, and what that is is good, bad, or ugly. I think we say right. So it's just any kind of beauty moment, something you've experienced, hair related, whether it's a service, skincare, makeup, whatever it is, maybe you, your skin was glowing and you went out with no makeup and, you know, whatever, you felt confident or you had an acne breakout, like just whatever beauty moment. 
So I'll go first and then Talia will go. So you kind of get the sense of what we, what we're talking about, but we have talked about our laser hair removals. We've talked about, one of us has talked about deciding to not all the way wax her pubes when she went on the beach. <laughs> Don't call me out. <laughs> so just so that you get a flavor of, of, of the, it runs the gamut. So as much nonsense as I've talked about my hair, my beauty moment was actually doing my hair this morning. Um, so I took my braids out last night. It was the first time I washed my hair myself in probably four months, maybe, I think. So mm-hmm. I was, and I tried Briorgio. How do you say that brand's name? What? Briorgio. Yeah. yeah. And I love it. I love it. I had been wanting to try them. So I had got, I got two samples. I got their, um, their exfoliating shampoo and their deep conditioner. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. So as much as my natural hair does get on my nerves, I, it did feel really good to just spend time, even though it was too much time, um, <laughs> pouring into it, doing a pre-poo, washing it, and, um, and braiding it, twisting it down. So I, see. I have so I many. I've done, I've done so many things this week. Um, which one am I going to share? I guess I will share a hair one as well. Um, I did a wash and go, which which is not a wash and go because uh, the amount of gel that I had to (laughs) procure to make it look like something, it literally lasted that one day and then it was done. Um, But I did that shit and I looked like a cute poodle. It did not look like a poodle. It was cute. It was a cute poodle. Um, (laughs) But my hesitation with wash and goes has always been that the curls just don't look the same all over my head. So like the front is like a looser curl. The side is a little looser. The middle doesn't Mm. really curl. I mean, it's not my ministry. I won't be doing it again, but it was cute for a day. (laughs) I love that. Uh, my beauty moment, I think, honestly, I've been trying to get into this regimen of giving myself a face mask two to three times a week. Mm. And I did that this week. I gave myself a clay face mask twice. Um, I use this company called Beauty Con. I really, really love their face mask. I also love Fresh. They have a really good clay face mask, too, as well. Yeah. And that just helps detoxify your skin. And it's just super soothing. Um, it makes a mess though, when you're trying to clean it up. But uh, yeah, it was really soothing. Sorry, it was a charcoal. Charcoal. I like love a charcoal, charcoal mask. mask. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm happy. I'm trying to get into that. You know, you should be doing a mask two to three times a week. You really, really should. So nice. Yeah, yeah they are they are messy, but they are worth it. They are. <laughs> they are. They're relaxing. And I we all need that moment of self-care. Sure. So our final question is why does beauty need you? <laughs> Let me think about this. And like the beauty industry or yep. all whatever. Of it. All of it. Hmm. I would say beauty needs me because there's just not enough dark skinned women till this day. There's really not. And I think for me growing up, if I would have been able to see that more amplified in the media and the magazine space I would have appreciated myself more I would have loved myself more I would have known like you are beautiful and you don't need any of these publications to affirm this right from you and so I think if I just saw it like throughout all over um and it was normal it wasn't a shocking moment when a black dark-skinned woman got you know the cover of a magazine or anything like that that this is the norm 
Um, and so I think if we didn't have publications and companies like Every Stylish Girl, then a lot of young women now wouldn't know that it was the norm. Like you should be embracing your darker skin tone and you should be embracing your 4C curl pattern or your natural hair, your Kingston coils and all of that. Um, So yeah, that's why I think the beauty industry not just needs me, but they need every stylish girl as a whole. Yes. I love that. That's it. Nana, thank you so much (laughs) for joining us. Until next time. Thank you, ladies. Until next time, Beauty Needs Me fam, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Apple.